Welcome to Explore the Word Podcast. So glad you could join in today. Hope you're having a great one. We're going to continue in our series on examining Old Testament books. In this episode, we're going to look at the minor prophet of Amos. Amos means burden or burden bearer. The books contain many judgment, burdens, or woes which the prophet delivered to Israel. This much is revealed about Amos. He was from Tico, a small village uh, five miles south of Bethlehem. He was a businessman, a farmer, preacher, though he was not trained by the prophets, like he didn't go to Bible college or the school of the prophets or anything. His business was uh, sheep and fruit gathering and growing. Uh, chapter 1, verse 1 tells us the words of Amos, who was among the herdmen of Tico, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. And then chapter 7, verse 14 tells us, Then answered Amos and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, neither was a prophet's son, but I was a herdman and gatherer of sycamore fruit. Amos was a man with great ability. He he was very unique, uh, given gifts by God, you know, being a businessman and being used to bring the message. Um, he had a deep sense of social justice, and along with that deep-seated uh, sense of social justice was the courage to confront what was taking place. Um, like Jonah, he was a missionary prophet, and Jonah just proceeded Amos. He went to Israel and discussed these uh, social issues and things. He had a very unique style. Uh, we see the uniqueness of him in his writing. And uh, that's a great encouragement to me to know that God uses us no matter our uniqueness. He uses us because of our uniqueness. Each one of us is unique and we need to use our gifts to the, for, to the best of our abilities for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. So the historical setting, the dating of the writing is around 760 BC during the reign of Jeroboam to the northern kingdom of Israel and King Uzziah in the southern kingdom. The great earthquake of chapter 1 verse 1 that was mentioned, I just read that, was accompanied by a solar eclipse which astronomers have dated this event this June 15th, 763. So they they're pretty pretty detailed on that. So that was the historical setting. Political setting internationally, the Fertile Crescent there was had a really relatively peaceful time between 800 to 745 BC. Egypt was rather weak still. Uh, Assyria did not begin its western advance until 745 BC under the leadership of Telgar Pilsayer II. Uh, and um, you know, so there's it's it's a quiet time in the sense of warfare and things, relative peace. Uh, nationally, the kingdoms of Israel and Judah had fiercely fought each other. Israel under Joash had nearly destroyed Jerusalem about thirty years before. Under Jeroboam II and Uzziah, however, there was a peace, and both enjoyed a period of growth and prosperity. Israel incredibly occupied Damascus to the north. Like if you would look at that, that was a pretty amazing on your map. Uh, she was she had been dominated by Damascus, but now Israel was occupying it. 
Uh, Jeroboam II put the majority of the nations around Israel to tribute. This period is known as the Golden Age for both kingdoms, and, and they were at ease. This was a time of prosperity. You know, when there's when you're prosperous, it's a whole lot easier to be at ease, and the money's coming in. You know, all the bills are paid, and then the idea of judgment or nas national collapse. I mean, that was so far from the minds of the vast majority of the individuals. Things were going great. No one would, no one suspected, no one was putting any kind of bets that within 10 years there would be political chaos and assassinations that would shake the nation and plunge it towards destruction. So the religious setting, Israel's calf worship system at Bethel, was 170 years old by Amos's time. Through Baal worship, though Baal worship was purged in the land in 841 BC by Jehu, calf worship continued. And there's no way you can, you can disconnect the religious system here to the political system. They were intertwined. It was impossible to pull them apart. Morally, the nation was extremely corrupt both inwardly and outwardly. The upper class was wealthy, and they used their wealth for wickedness. Uh, they, were, they were doing horrible things. And then the prophets and the priests, who were supposed to be you know, serving the people, serving the nation, they were serving for personal gain. Okay, social injustices to the poor was the norm. Rich landowners devoured the poor, living uh, high on the hog, as they say. They were living high on the hog. They were devouring the poor. Just a horrible, vicious cycle. Amos unashamedly attributes this condition of corruption to the king and to the high priest. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Amos goes after the leadership. For this wickedness, he declared both the house of Jeroboam II and Amaziah the priest would be destroyed by the sword. Amaziah, or Amos 7, verse 17. Therefore thus saith the Lord, Thy wife shall be a harlot in the city, thy sons and thy daughters shall fall by the sword, and thy land shall be divided by line, and thou shalt die in a polluted land, and Israel shall surely go in to captivity forth of this his land. So, you know, he goes right at it, he goes right to the source, and he... He goes right to them, and he doesn't hold back. He tells them exactly what it is. In the geographical setting, so Amos lived about 10 miles uh, north or south of Jerusalem in the hills of Judah, near the high road from going from Jerusalem to Hebron and then uh, to Beersheba as well. This is thought to be the same area that John the Baptist would grow up in, in later in the New Testament time. Bethel, the place where Amos spoke his prophecy, was about 35 miles uh, sorry, 35 kilometers north of Tico, up the highway as such. It was just north of Judah's border uh, with Israel, just about three kilometers. This was the northern nation of Israel's main sanctuary. This is where the high priests lived. And then Samaria was 40 kilometers north of that. Amos, though he focuses upon the king, he's really focusing in on the religious center here by making the prophecies here. So the purpose of the book of Amos, of this prophecy, was to sound a trumpet, warning to Israel's leadership and upper classes of impending judgment 
of God on the nation. He's warning uh, that this is going to happen. And the religious failures as well as the spiritual and moral and social corruption. He was, he was talking to them about all these things. But that social corruption is a really big part of it as well as moral. The nation was about to be destroyed because of the social injustices uh, from the wealthy, upper classes, to the poorer classes, to the poor and the weak. Uh, God is a God of righteousness. He is a God of love. And as Hosea was a preacher of God's love and things, now Amos says God's going to be doing justice. As much as God is a God of love and righteousness, and because of his love and his righteousness, he will do justice. He's not going to let this just go by the wayside. So that was the purpose of the book. Some unique contributions of Amos. Emphasis on social justice. No prophet more eloquently thundered against social injustice than Amos. I just read you a verse where he told unashamedly the priest and the king that, you know, death is coming. The sword is coming. He, he has no problems in telling it. The key verse of this book is uh, chapter 5, verse 24. But let judgment run down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. Now, Amos hardly mentions the national sin of idolatry, but he proclaimed God's outrage at their violation of human rights and the exploitation of the poor. He emphasized God's great concern for moral issues. Ritual without righteousness is not God's way. All right? He strongly declares in his writing and for the nation that it violates the moral and social concerns of God and exploits the poor, so they are doomed. They're going to pay for that. He mentions Damascus, Gaza, Philistine, uh, Philistines and nations and cities, Tyrus, Moab, and then Jerusalem and Judah, and says the following, Therefore, the flight shall perish from the swift. The strong shall not strengthen his force. Neither shall the mighty deliver himself. Neither shall he stand that handleth the bow. And he that is swift of foot shall not deliver himself. Neither shall he rideth the horse delivereth himself. And he that is courageous among the mighty shall flee away naked in that day, saith the Lord. He, judgment's coming. And, and it's going to happen to them. Uh, you know, we see this prophet, Amos. I mean, he... He was a country guy. And, and we already read uh, chapter 7, verse 14, tells that he's from, uh, he's a herdman, he's a gatherer of uh, uh, sycamore of fruit. He, he's a real, he's a man of the farm. He's a rancher, you could say. His lifestyle is lively. You know, he's, he's out on the farm. He's taking care of things. Uh, his language usage throughout, uh, such as plowing and growing, and all because of who he is. He was a man of the soil. The God commissioned into service to warm the indulgent and arrogant that God's judgment is real. Now, it's a really amazing book. Isn't that, I know it's not very long, but it's a pretty neat book. And just to see how God uses each and every one of us. I hope that's helped you understand the book of Amos just a little bit better. And I would encourage you to explore that little book as well. And folks, I hope you have a wonderful day. Keep exploring the word and looking to Jesus.